Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Hey, we get to start this new sermon series on Valentine's Day. It's, the Valentine's Day doesn't always fall on, on a Sunday. Let's focus on relationships, focus on marriages and, and engagements. And some of you, you haven't, you haven't signed up yet for a uh, pre-marriage class, but still time to do that. You saw that in the announcement, still time to do that. Tomorrow, tomorrow it starts. I think there's 84, 85 people signed up for it. And so come be a part of that, of that class if you haven't yet signed up. If you can't be here, we're also going to be doing it virtually. You can sign up for that. We can get you the, the, the videos and uh, we want you to be a part of it. But uh, I thought it was a good day to start this sermon series uh, that we're going to start. And it's, it's, one of the most important ones that we're ever going to talk about. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big one. Uh, and we, 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 we played on words, the, the old, the old breakup line. Anybody ever been broken up with, uh, with, uh, with the statement? It's not, it's not you. It, it's me, right? Like it's, you're not the problem. I, I'm the problem. There's some other famous breakup lines or stuff that where people want to put the brakes on their relationship. You ever have somebody tell you, I, I just want to take things slow. Right? I just want to take, I just want to slow down. Or I love this one. I'm not ready for a serious relationship. Or I think we're better off friends. <laughs> I love this one. I'm not good enough for you, right? I'm just not good enough for you. I, I'm, I understand why people do these. Like we've all been broken up like, like this. You know, we, people have broken our hearts. You know, maybe in my day and age, it was through a phone call or maybe face to face if you're really brave. You know, now it's texting or now you just don't. You just hide from them. You don't ever see them again. What if we were really honest with people? What if instead of saying, like, I want to take things slow, like we just said, I want to run, just not with you, right? Or maybe instead of saying, I'm not ready for a serious relationship, maybe we would say something like, I don't want to be stuck with you for the rest of my life, <laughs> right? Or we're better off friends, something better, more honest. I think I'd rather be dead than date you, right? Or when somebody says, I, I'm not good enough for you, what they really would be saying is, I know you're going to freak out if I tell you the truth, so I'm just going to lie to you. Or it's not you, it's me. What if somebody just said, no, it's, 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 it's not me, it's, it's you, right? Like, I, I'm not the problem, you're the problem. Here's, what I, here's why I think that's true. I think Jesus is the ultimate uh, person of truth. The Bible says in, in the book of uh, John chapter 1, it says, verse number 14, very first chapter says, the, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the, Lord, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, watch what it says, full of grace and truth. He was graceful, but he was, he was truthful. He was the most truthful person that has ever walked on this earth. He, he, he meets a woman and caught in adultery. You ever read that story? He rescues her. He stands between her and the people that try to stone her. Uh, and, and he saves her. And that's such grace, right? And then he tells her as soon as it's over, now knock it off. Stop sinning. It's not like he, he beats around the book, come back next week. He just got like grace and truth. Rich young ruler comes to him, really into Jesus' teaching, wants to follow him. You remember this story? He's like, what do I have to do to be saved? And Jesus says, well, here's what you got to do. You got to leave all of your possessions, go home and sell them. And then you can come follow me. Full of grace, 
full of truth. Now, I, I want to be grace-filled with you over the next few, few weeks, but I also, I also love black and white and white truth, right? I, I think it's, it, it's applicable to dating because when you don't have black and white conversations, when you don't have a list of wills and won'ts, you end up with somebody you don't want to be with. Same principle is true for church. When you don't have a list of wills and won'ts when it comes to who you be as a church, you'll end up with a church you don't want to pastor. You'll end up with people that are running around like chickens with their head cut off. The Bible says without vision that people perish when you don't understand and know where, where you're going. And so this is an extremely important message. We called it, it's not me, it's you, because by the end of these five, six weeks, we might need to break up. Like you might say to yourself, man, that church is not, is not right for me. Years ago, we called this a space maker. And what a space maker is, is we want to make sure that we fill our church with as many people as we can on mission. And sometimes people come into your church that simply are not a right fit. And we want to be really clear up front. I don't want to be in a long distance relationship and for you to say you've changed. When I really haven't changed or we really haven't done anything different, we just weren't clear with you. We want to be clear. Being clear is kind. Being unclear is unkind, right? When you don't have a list of wills and won'ts, you end up somewhere with someone that you don't want to be. And I believe this is my greatest responsibility as a pastor. The greatest responsibility as a pastor, any pastor, is to make sure that your church continues to go in the direction that it's called to go and is continuing to stay on the mission that God has sent you, sent you on. And it's hard. In fact, uh, P Paul, he wrote to a young pastor, his name was Timothy, and he encourages him. This is one of his last books before he would, he would die. And he encourages this young pastor in 2 Timothy chapter 4 with these words. If you went to Bible school, you probably had some older dude read these words to you, right? And he's what he said. He says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And here, here's why. This isn't talking about the world, by the way. We like to put the world into the problem areas of scripture. The world's already messed up. He's talking about his church. He says, for a time's going to come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want them to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss. He's not talking about the world. He's talking about the church. He says, but you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work in a, of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your, your, your ministry. So what we're going to do is I'm going to do my best to keep us going in the direction we're supposed to go. Here's why. We've added a lot of new people to our church. We've lost people. We've added people. It looks very different than it did this time last year. So we've added new people, but here's the thing, but we're still the same church. We're not gonna change as new people come. We're gonna bring new people into the same mission that we're already called to be on, but I need to be upfront with you so that you fully understand it. Some of you have been to welcome the church and you've heard the core values, but you've never had them broken down like I'm gonna break them down for you over the next few, few weeks. And at the end of it, some of you might say, this is the wrong church for me. And we're gonna lovingly say, it's not, it's not, it's not me. It's you. Right? It's not, it's not me. It, it, it's you. And that, that's okay. And you're going to say, it's not me. 
it's you and that, that's perfectly okay. And so, but today what I wanna do is I wanna build a foundation because here's the thing, every value that we have has to be attached to what I will call a, a, a why, a, a why. And so I wanna explain to you the why of the church. We are a why church, not a what church. Here's what I, what I would tell you, I've told you this before. Some people go to church based on what they do, but I'm gonna tell you, don't come to church here based on what we're currently doing because this is not the point. We are a why church. We do things because of our why, but if you don't know the why, a lot of this won't make sense. Serving won't make sense. The way we do kids ministry and youth ministry won't make sense. The way we do music, it, it won't make sense. The way that I preach, it will not make sense. You go, I don't understand why you do what you do. Well, I'm going to explain to you with our, our why, and we're going to take it right from the words of Christ because this is his. This is Jesus' church. The Bible says that we are the bride. He is the bridegroom. And so whatever the bridegroom says, the bride has to be. The best marriages are, are formed by two people who are going the same direction. The main problem with the church in America is oftentimes the bride is going a different direction than the bridegroom, and that's where you end up in counseling, and the church needs a lot of counseling right now. The best marriages, if you are, listen, I'm going to give you a little preview to the marriage class. If you are with somebody right now and you do not enjoy being on their team and you are not going the same direction and you are not fighting for the same things, break up. The best marriages, the best pastors that I know have a spouse, a wife or a husband, whoever is in the full-time ministry that has a spouse that loves the ministry as much as they do and they're going the same direction. The best business owners that I know have a wife and a, and a, and a husband that are both going in the same direction. Doesn't mean they always work together because sometimes you can't work with your spouse. You know what I'm saying? It's a little too, too much. But you're going, this, you're fighting for the same thing. The reason you're so passionate about what you're doing, you're fighting for the same thing, the bride and the bridegroom. So we are the bride. He is the boss. He is the bridegroom. We have to be going the same direction. So let's see what the, what the boss, what Jesus says that the church is supposed to do. Watch what it says in Matthew 16. This is really good. He says, and I'll tell you that you are Peter. Really cool, by the way, because Peter, if you ever read the Bible, he's jacked up. Really, really interesting. He says, I'm going to get the jacked up Peter and I'm going to build my church on Peter. I'm going to change your name to Rock, by the way. I'm going to build my church on people like you. I'm going to build it and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And here's, here's, here's where we get in trouble. And what's interesting, somebody sent me a, a message from another pastor this week with the exact same passage being preached. He didn't know I was preaching on this. And I watched this message from this pastor. I almost just played this message for you guys. I'm probably gonna put it on social media. And he broke down that word church and it was so interesting to me. Now I know that the Greek word for church is ekklesia, ekklesia, however you wanna pronounce it. I went to Google and searched pronouncements and it was, everybody says it different, right? So I think some people from the north, some people from the south, some people say creek, some people say creek, right? <laughs> but the, the, the word is ekklesia, ekklesia, whatever, however you wanna say it. And it's a Greek term that he uses. Now what's interesting is the word that he uses is a secular word in this moment. This is, this, is not a, this is not like a Bible word. This is a secular word. In, in that time, uh, when he would have talked, there would have been three main uh, sections that people would have understood. There was the synagogue, this religious area. There, there was the temple, another part of religion, and the ecclesia. The ecclesia was not a religious word. It was actually a group of people that would be called together on mission. It was more military than it was kumbaya Christian word. You know what I'm saying? Like he was essentially saying, I'm going to build this group of people that are being called to this military moment. They would start wars. They would make peace. They were of movement. He says, I'm going to start this movement. And here's what's happened in our, in, our, in our churches is we've taken that word and we've ruined it. What's interesting to me 
is, is in the church world, we are, we are militant about uh, getting mad at people when they're trying to redefine certain biblical truths. Like, let me give you an example. Like right now, there's, a, there's a, an attempt to redefine gender, right? It doesn't make sense to me. I refuse to play make-believe with everybody else. Like, I, I'm just a common sense guy. There's, there's, there are two genders. It's just the way that it is. It doesn't, you don't, because if we don't stop here, it's going to be cat gender, dog gender. I'm not calling you a cat. I'm sorry. Amen. Like, it's just, it's, you, you can say whatever you want, but when one generation accepts as, as normal, the other, the next generation says that's truth. So at some point, a generation has to step up and say, no, that's not, that's not right. And so the church, the people who believe in the word of God, the people that believe what scripture says, that God made both man and woman, that they're, they're, they're equal, yet they have different roles, that they're not the same, that a man doesn't, can't do what a woman can do, and a woman can't do what a man can do. Let's please stop that garbage. And so the only reason a lot of times right now that men and women are confused and their, 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 their muscle structure is the same, it's kind of the same, and you see men, they're kind of hunched over and weak, is because we have feminized men right? We've said it's not important to be a man. And so now you have all these kids without dads and all this other stuff going on. And we don't know what's wrong with everybody, right? And so that's a whole nother sermon, by the way. (laughs) Don't send me an email. I don't care what you have to say, right? (laughs) So I'm just going to, but in in the church, like people will stand up and be like, you're redefining this. Or you'll hear people say stuff like, you know, we're going to talk about life and and abortion and all these things. And you're redefining life is at conception. You're redefining it. And you'll have people stand up. And yet in the church, most people have redefined this word ecclesia to mean coming to a building, sitting and listening to a pastor talk, you know, coming in, maybe singing a couple songs, maybe dropping a few bucks and leaving. And nobody's getting mad about it. Nobody's saying, that's not what he said. If he wanted to say that, he would have said, on this synagogue, I will build my church. Or on this temple, what do they do in the synagogues? They study scripture. What do they do in the temple? They made sacrifices. What do they do in the ecclesia? They went to war. They were a movement in that city. They were a group of people called together and sent outside of themselves. He didn't use synagogue and he didn't use temple. And maybe you need to have a redefining moment in your head where you go, man, this isn't, this isn't right. What if we got just as mad at, at that as we did at everything else that's trying to be redefined in our culture? So he says, I'm gonna build the church. Watch what he says he wants the church to do. If you go down to Matthew 28, some of his last words to the church. He says, he says, everyone do in Matthew 28, verse number 19. He says, therefore go. Does he say, therefore come? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to build some buildings. I want you to come. Dress nice, sit in a nice seat, sing a couple songs, throw a couple bucks in the thing. And I want you to come to church. What does he say? I'm gonna build my church, my ecclesia. My, my, my movement, the people called on mission. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want you to teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And that we've been messing up for 2,000 years. It's as simple as that. You don't come to church. Listen, you are the church. You are the church and you exist for the world. And the problem is when we don't get this right, this, this pastor said this and it, it, was, it was one of those moments. He said this, he said, he said, here's what I found out that when we don't get this right, that the greatest hindrance to the work of the church is actually the church. 
The greatest hindrance to people receiving Christ right now in America is you and me. We're in the way. Why? There's nothing that makes a church less effective than a church that has had its mission hijacked by a group of people dreaming too much about success on this earth and thinking too little about reaching the lost and building the kingdom of God. There's nothing. So what I want to do is I want to talk to you about that why, because why, the why determines who will feel comfortable here. The why will determine ultimately who is filtered in and who is filtered out. You get what I'm saying? Let me explain to you what I mean. Uh, Shady Maple's why, and and I've been to a couple CrossFit gyms now, just a couple, right? Because they're crazy, right? Shady Maple's why and that CrossFit gyms why are different. And the people that feel comfortable in those locations, they're different. You tracking with me? Somebody who loves Shady Maple, right? Consistently, I, I, I like Shady Maple. There's certain people that feel comfortable with Shady Maple, right? You, you, you want to eat a lot of food. You, you don't really care oftentimes if you're going to die soon, right? Like, give me the bacon, right? <laughs> what do I care about tomorrow, right? Let, tomorrow has enough. You get all really, tomorrow has enough worries about itself. There's somewhere in the Bible about that, right? I mean, just eat, get my bacon, get, get my prime rib. And you, the why of Shady Maple is not to keep people healthy, right? That's not, that's not their goal. The why is we want to feed you so much good food that you want to come back here at least every birthday. But, but, but listen, beyond even that for the rest of your life, because it's free on your birthday, right? That's the why. When you walk into a CrossFit gym, the people that feel comfortable at Shady Maple, they walk into a CrossFit gym with the same expectations of Shady Maple and the experience they're going to have. And where's the bacon? It's different. The people at CrossFit, they're crazy. <laughs> like, I, I quickly realized when I did the work, I'm like, these people are not, like, they're having fun right now. I'm not supposed to be here. I need to complain, right? <laughs> this is too hard. You, you know what I'm saying? The people that are comfortable at one place are not going to be comfortable at another place. And here, our why determines who comes into this place and who feels comfortable. So I'm going to explain this because some of you got mad. Some of you are going to get mad over the next couple of weeks at things that I say. And I'm going to tell you, maybe it's because you're not supposed to be here. Maybe this is the wrong, the wrong church. Maybe it's you. It's not, it's not me. Maybe, maybe we need to break up. So let me just give you a couple, a couple thoughts. I just have two. I usually have four. Isn't that good? I only have two. And so two types of people who will feel at home at Journey Church. Number one is this, really important. Uh, saved seekers. S- saved, you're going to feel, if you understand our why, the first people that are going to feel ridiculously at home here, you're going to, this is going to become your church. Saved seekers. Watch what the Bible says in Luke 19. It says, for the son of man came to what? Everybody say it, to seek and what? Save the lost. The son of man did not come sing kumbaya. The son of man did not come to be a good teacher. The son of man did not come to not be offensive. The son of man did not come to start a club. The son of man did not come so that we would build big multi-million dollar buildings. The son of man did not come so that we would have entertaining kids ministries for kids that come to. The son of man did not come so that you would be able to read certain self-help books and love. The son of man came to do what? Seek and save the lost. To seek and to save the loss. A few, few days ago, my son found a $5 bill. Harrison, the youngest one, $5 bill in his wallet. I don't know where his wallet was at, but he found it. He was super excited. Now, I'm not quite sure where he found it. His stories are mismatched. Says his wallet. Could have been my money. We don't know. 
<laughs> I don't, I'm like, where'd you get it? I don't know. The story changes every time. Point of the story is, is he comes to me. He says, I found this $5. I said, great. He said, can we go to the dollar store? He's smart. He knows he, if you go to the dollar store, you get five things with that, right? Five things. And so he said, can we go to the dollar store? I said, sure, we go to the dollar store. He said, can I get some candy at the dollar store? I said, yeah, we'll go there in the next couple of days. So for the next 48 hours until we could get to the dollar store, he tortured me, right? <laughs> we're going to send me to the dollar store. I said, I have, I have a full-time job here, right? We're going to get to the dollar store. So we went to the dollar store. We're about to pull into the, to the dollar store. And uh, my other sons are with, with me. And I looked back in the back and he was excited. He got $5. I said, what do you think you should do with this $5? He said, get five pieces of candy. That's what I think I should do. <laughs> I said, now what should you do? Because you found that, and we don't know if technically it was yours, so it's kind of a gift and a blessing, right? So what do you think you should do with it? And he looked at me, and, and, and it, was, it was a good moment for me because I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect, but I'm getting, I'm getting to my kids. Probably my wife actually is getting to my kids. But, but, <laughs> but, but he, said, he said, I should, I should take my brothers in and buy something for them. And I was like, you're absolutely right. So we all went in. Harrison got three things, right, because it's his money. <laughs> And they each got a thing of candy. We walked out. And, and when, when he walked out, I was like, this just makes sense. Like when you get something freely given to you, freely, you should want to give it away. It's just natural. Freely, you should want other people. When something changes you, when something comes into your life and sets you free, doesn't it just make sense that you want to tell everybody about it? Some of you know this because you do it with everything besides Jesus. Like, I've always wondered, what if for one month, everybody in my church only talked about Jesus and church and what the Lord wants to do and what the Lord stands for and what the Lord wants to, how he wants to change people? What if all of us did that for a month and we didn't talk about things nobody cares about? Like selfies and what you, how you met on Valentine's Day and all these other things that, I mean, good for you, Right? And, and oils and sports and Bitcoin and everything else that you read about now and, and, and impeachments and all this other stuff that's going on. What if we just talked about Jesus for one month? What if we fasted from the garbage that we fill social media with? It just makes sense. You get something free and you want to give it away. In fact, watch what it says in Matthew 5 about the church. What does he say? You're the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything. Hey, take that down for a second. Doesn't that sound like church? What, what is this good for if what we're doing here is not changing somebody far from Christ or far from Christ and, 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 and dying and, 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 and going to hell? If, if everything that we do here does not make a difference there, what are we doing here? What's the point of this? Like he says, he says, what is it good for? He says, it'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives a light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. In other words, you're filled to find. You're gifted to give. You're set free so that you can be sent out. You are, we form community here so that we can reach and change communities out there. We are the church. We exist for the world. That's who we are. So here, here's the thing. Some of you, some of you going, we can save seated. What, what other people will feel comfortable here? Let me tell you people who won't feel comfortable here for very long. Uh, I, got, I got a couple of them. Uh, the saved seated people, right? The saved seekers, they're going to feel good. But you know what I'm talking about? You know who the saved seated are? They come to church and they say stuff like this. I don't have time to do anything. 
I just want to hang out. I, I, I just want to, I just want to watch. I, 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 I just want to, I just want to, I want to evaluate what you're doing before I jump in. Right? The safe, the safe seating. Here's what I would tell you about that it is um, we live in a world that is perfectly okay with, with, with raising up mediocre, not reaching their full potential children. But I am not as a pastor okay with that with people that come to my church. I'm just not. I'm just not going to let you come into this church knowing what the Lord wants to do in your life and through your life and not continue to aggressively push you to becoming all that God has created you to be. I'm not going to stand before God someday in heaven and go, that's what you did with your life. You filled a room up. You entertained people. You made that cool video. We talked about five ways you can have a better sex life. And that's what you did. You never shared the gospel. You never got people moving. You never gave people the opportunity. You never offended anybody that just wants to sit around and do nothing. What were you doing with your life? I mean, I don't know, God. The saved seed. Let me give you a couple more. Here's another one person that won't make it here for a long time. Saved sulking. You know what I'm talking about? We got a lot of sulkers that come from other churches. Right? I have never had somebody in my life come from another church and be like, listen, uh, I'm here because my other church would not use me enough. They, they wouldn't let me serve. I signed up 16 times. They kept telling me we don't have any spots for me. I got there early. They told me to go home. I stayed there late. What did they do? Man, my old church used me. They used me, which by the way, congratulations to be used is to be a servant. That means you're being biblical. You're not a volunteer at a church, right? Because there's no such thing as a volunteer in the Bible. It wasn't like, hey, Peter and James and John, I'm going to need an hour and a half of your week, Right? Come in, you're going to have to come in at 25 of and serve an hour, and you're a volunteer. We're going to have a volunteer thankful party for you at some point. You know what they got for serving Jesus? Death. They got death. They got being on an island by themselves. In America, it's amazing how we have to twist somebody's arm to be who God has called them to be. And what I found is people come in here and they're sulky. They're salty, they're angry, they're, they're used, they're burnt out. That's what Christians say. I'm burnt out. What does that mean? I know burnt too. That's what Christians have gone through for the last 2,000 years. They've been burnt to a crisp on the stake to get us the Bible, right? But I never heard anybody. Paul said, you know what I am right now? I'm just burnt out. I'm in this prison. I'm just burnt out. You know what he said? For me to live is Christ. Come on, for me to die is gain. For me to live is Christ. For me to die. save suckers. Let me give you a couple more safe sucking. The save suckers, you know what I'm talking about? They come in and say stuff like this. This church isn't meeting my needs. If you've never offered your time, your money, your resources to serve up the body that you're in, you're probably a saved sucker. If you complain more than you praise, you're probably a saved sucker. If you personal problems that you have, you blame the church. It's their fault. You're probably struggling with being a saved sucker. And here's another one, the saved sleeping. Here's the worst one. The longer that you're a Christian, typically the least excited you are about your faith. You ever notice that? Here's what I found. Here, here's why. Can I just explain it to you? And Ian, you can, you can come up and, and, and play me out. But here's what I found. Uh, the reason that faith becomes boring is because oftentimes our faith is useless. Think about this. I'm going to go back to that CrossFit gym for a second. If you go to the CrossFit gym, this is why, this, by the way, this is, if I think about CrossFit and, and uh, Shady Maple, it's why being out of shape is so much easy. It's so much like we like it more because it's easy. You don't even have to make an effort. You just eat, you get big, right? But going to the gym is different. It's, it's work. It's painful. You're sore. Uh, but here's what happens when you go to the gym. You expect to begin to build, 
to build muscle, right? You expect to have definition. Like, I don't want to go to the gym and not, you don't, you can't tell. I want somebody, like when somebody says, hey, I can tell you're working out. I'm like, yeah, I am. <laughs> right? I, I want that. I don't want to go to the gym and it'd be like, you look the exact same as when you didn't go to the gym. You look the same, right? So that will be like, why am I going? I'm going back to Shady Maple, right? And, and here's what I found in so many people's walks. They, they do all these things with church. They they go to church, they worship, they sing, they tithe, they even serve. But then outside of church, there's, there's not a whole lot of fruit. And it's like, at some point you just go, why am I doing this? There's other people though, that their faith, it, it's actually alive in them. Oftentimes this is new believers, by the way. It's so weird. Like I have found uh, that the best people to reach are, are people that are not yet here because they usually go reach people that are not yet here. That's what happens. Like you, you reach church people and all their friends are church people. And then you just have a bubble of safe, mediocre, not really caring. You can come if you want, but we don't care if you're here. That's, a, that's church people. That's what happens to all of us. There's other people that their, their faith is alive and it begins to, to have a, make a difference in not only their life, but in other people's lives. And something's different about them. The, the one person that I've seen uh, that, that goes through the motions, does church. I, I've seen it because now, now I'm 40 and I've watched uh, my dad's church um, age and now my church is people that are aging and one of the things that was funny to me is I watch people raise their kids in church and then get their kids to the adult age and they stop going to church and, and, and because the end of it you're like what's the point like I did my job got my kids through church and it's fine and it's like no no like the point of your faith is so that you can be a light to other people the point of your faith is so that you can lead other people to Christ. Some of you are like, man, my faith has never been alive. And the reason your faith has never been alive is because you've never actually walked somebody towards Jesus. Let me ask, how many of you in this room have sat down with somebody in tears and prayed the sinner's prayer with them? You know what the sinner's prayer is? Just saying, Jesus, come into my life. Like some of you are like, you do that every Sunday. Yeah, I do, but you can do that too. Like you can sit with somebody, you can say, man, I know you, I know that you need Jesus. And you can explain the same thing that I explained. He loves you more than you can imagine. He's here in this room right now, and he wants to change you forever. And I can tell you it'll change your life. I've had people tell me, man, I've, I, I came to church my whole life. I started sharing my faith. People are coming and getting saved, and I'm leading them towards Christ, and it's changing me. And the other people, listen, the other people that should feel comfortable here, safe seekers, the other people that will, will feel at home here, this, this one's really good, is the unsaved searching. Only two people. The saved seekers and the unsaved searching. Who are them? Those are the people that walk in here that don't yet know Christ. I know that we're, we have the right why when somebody who has never been to church can walk into this place and you can feel right at home. You can feel right at home. You, you, you know that we're doing what the Bible has told us to do. The Bible says in Proverbs 34, the Lord is what? He's close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Nothing looks more like Jesus then when saved seekers and unsaved searchers can be in the same place at the same time. Nothing. Think about it. Jesus, uh, Jesus would preach. He would take his disciples. They were the early church with him. And the Bible says when they would go and they would begin to teach and they would begin to talk, the Bible says that, that sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, and partiers would always be attracted to Jesus. So you would have the saved seekers and Jesus and the unsaved searchers and they were all together. What a beautiful picture. How different is that from most of what we think about church? Who comes to church? Good people. Saved people. The saints. 
Think about the principle too of, of scripture. Jesus preaches 5,000 people show up. You remember that? I love that because sometimes people say, it's not about the crowds and, you know, the church is not about this. Listen, when Jesus is preached and the world is broken and lost, we should expect the rooms to be overflowed with people. The problem too many times and the reason that it's not overflowed with people is there's too many church people in the way. So let me show you what happens in that story. You remember the story? Gets the boy's lunch. He prays over it. But what's so cool is there's 5,000 hungry people there. Jesus prays over the food. And who does the serving? The disciples. The disciples feed and pass out and make sure those 5,000 people are fed. And then there's leftovers for them. It's the principle in scripture. The church exists for lost people. And so we come in and we lift up the name of Jesus and we serve and we throw a party, right? And people walk in and are like, it seems like you expected me. Yes, we did. We have a Luke 15 mentality. Go get the robe, go get the ring, go get the sandals, go get everything. We've saved the best for you. Where am, I supposed to, where am I supposed to park? You park as close as you want. Why is there so many parking spaces in the front? Because the church parks in the back. Come on. Why, why do you take care of me? Why does it feel like you were expecting me? Because you're a guest. You're not a visitor. Visitors are unwanted. You know how a visitor. You've all had a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness knock on your door. You don't want to talk to them. Right now, I don't want to talk to you. No, I don't want to go to heaven with you, right? <laughs> but a guest is different. A guest, you've been, you've been in people's houses where you feel different, right? You, when, when, you're, when you're a visitor, it's like, yeah, there might be enough food. Guest is like, the, everything is ready. It smells good. The food's ready. looks good. It was like they actually wanted you there. That's who we are as a church. We are doing our work. We want unsaved, searching people to walk into this place and feel the love of God, feel the compassion of God, get the Luke 15 experience. The best is saved for you because we believe God has good things in store for your life. The best is yet to come for you. Listen, if you're here today and you don't yet know Christ, both here and in, in, in Montgomeryville and watching online, our church exists for you. It exists for you. So I mean, like, it's as if you're only, you're, th- you're talking to me or you're, you've been talking to me or it feels like some, somebody knew I was coming. Listen, we've been praying for you all week. You're like, you know my name? No, we don't. But we know what you need. And we will do everything that we can to make sure that we put the research in to know what, what, what is going to make a difference in your life so that from the moment that you walk through these doors, the Lord is able to give you a good experience. And oftentimes that good experience, what does it lead to? It leads to a God experience in your life. Saved seekers, unsaved searchers. Everybody else, you're probably not going to like this church. You're either on mission in the ecclesia or you can find a synagogue or a temple to go through. You, you can go there and you can get fed and you can make your daily sack because at the, at the sin, at temp, sin, a temple, what you, you make sacrifices. The Bible says Jesus was the sacrifice. Isn't a sacrifice for you to come to church? It's a blessing. You get to come into the presence of God. You get to be the church. You get to give money. You get to serve. You get to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then we get to see people's lives change forever. Do me a favor. Would you stand to your feet all over our houses? And would you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me? In case you're still wondering, this is an important sermon series. As as important of a sermon series that we're going to have. This is going to build the foundation for the future of the church that we will be. 
And listen, our best days are way out ahead of us. Our best days are way, we got some big things on the horizon as a church, but we want to still be going the direction that God has called us to be. Some of you, today is going to be the last sermon you listen to. You're like, I'm out. And I'm not joking with you, and I'm not mad at you. Uh, but they're just going to get more intense from here. They're just going to get more direct. Um, we're going to get more stable truth. The Bible says grace and truth in a grace-filled way, but we're going to be truthful with each other. So maybe today you go, man, this isn't the church for me. Like, I don't, I don't like that. I don't want to be on mission. I don't want him to ask me for things. I want Jesus, but I don't want to do anything. I want heaven, but I don't want, I don't want the, the, the work of the gospel on the earth. And I, I, I wish I could make it easier. I, I wish I could say, listen, there's a book in the Bible for you. It's in the back. It's the book of mediocrity. You can find it. You can look it up. You can find the part for you. It's not for me, but it can be for you. But it's just not there, friend. It's not in scripture. Jesus was an all in or all out type of guy. He was truth, but he was grace. He was grace, but he was truth. But he was truth. So if you're a safe seeker, right now, that's, this, is you, this is my church. And then other people, some of you unsafe searcher, you're here today, and uh, you, you are open to a relationship with Jesus Christ. You are here today, and something's happening in your life. The scripture says, uh, the Lord knocks at the door of our heart. If we would just let him in, he would come in. He would... He would make himself at home. He would begin to accomplish a good work in your life. But here's the thing about a relationship with Jesus is is he reaches out to you, but it's like a gift. You have to take it. Nobody makes that decision for you. Some of you were baptized as kids. You're like, yeah, I'm religious. That's not how it works. You don't get to be religious. That's not even who Jesus was. You get a relationship with Jesus and you get to decide that. Like Jesus is here. He's real. He really died on a cross for your sins. He really rose in power on the third day. The Bible says he sits at the right hand of God and he intercedes for you by name. What a, what a powerful, powerful picture. He's calling you home. He's knocking at the door of your heart, friend. And you're here right now. And some of you say something like, I can't believe I'm even listening to this stuff. I'm not a church person. Neither am I. I'm a Jesus person. I'm a Jesus person. We are the church, friend. Everything we've done today, everything we've done, every prayer we prayed, every penny that was given in the last couple weeks, it's given so that people like you can come to faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ because we believe he'll change you and he'll set you free. And some of you, that, that, that gift, you're ready to receive. You're just going to say yes to Jesus. And so here, here's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to pray as we close. And that you feel him tugging at your heart, knocking at the door of your heart. Everybody else in this church, would you just close your eyes out of respect for this moment? Don't be a hindrance to the person to your right or left. And maybe you've just closed your eyes and now the real, the real fear is kicking in because you know Jesus is calling you and you're like, what are you going to make me do next? Listen, I'm not going to make you come forward. I'm not going to call you out. But I believe following Christ, is, it takes boldness. It's not something you do in secret. It's something you do in public. It's a decision that you make personally, but your faith is not only for you. So how you start something usually determines where you go from there. So if it takes boldness and courage to follow Christ, and I think the very first step should be one of boldness and courage. 
So I'm going to ask you in a second if that's you all over our houses in Montgomeryville. If you're watching online and you would say, hey, that's me. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Uh, and I can feel him tugging at the door of my heart. I want to let him in right now. If that's you all over our houses, I'm going to ask you in a second if you need to respond. And if you do, you're just going to shoot your hand towards heaven. That's the bold step. That's the between you and me, Lord. I'm here. Nobody else is looking around. Today, I'm going to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I'm going to receive the gift of salvation. That's what the Bible says. I'm going to become a brand new person. The old person is dead and gone. A new person is alive. I want to receive Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I don't fully understand it, but I feel it in the, in the, in the heart right now. I can feel him drawing me to him and today I want to receive him as my Lord and Savior come on if that's you all over our houses physically would you just begin to shoot your hand straight towards heaven come on there's hand there there's a hand there hand there yes anybody else hand all the way in the back back there yeah yeah another hand over here anybody else say hey pastor that's me we're gonna give you a few more seconds in Montgomeryville hey that's me if you're online you're just gonna let us know hey I'm responding to the gospel with a little hand emoji you can just type it in if you're old school there you just want to say that's me and we're gonna spend we're gonna begin to pray all over our houses you guys ready some of you've never prayed before in your life and prayer is simply you talking to a friend God is not far he's close he's close to you right now he is an ever-present help in a time of need and he loves you more than you can imagine you got no no shame you got nothing to hide from him the bible says there's no condemnation for those who are found in christ jesus amen, amen. all you're going to do is say yes to the lord come on let's clap for somebody in montgomery but let's let them hear us church let's pray all over our houses lord we love you and we thank you for this day well i thank you that you are gonna you're gonna burn a fresh fire deep down in the belly of this church. Lord, that 2021 is going to be the most fruitful year that we've ever seen of the harvest of souls. You said the harvest is plentiful. Here's the problem though. The workers are few. Lord, you are going to fill this church with people who are unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's been the power to change us. And if it can change us, it can change anyone. Lord, we're grateful, Father, that you're changing somebody's life right now in this moment, Lord, that they feel that loving presence. It's coming over them. They, they, they can't even explain it. Lord, something's being broken. Something's being set free. Something's being transformed right now. Lord, they were bitter and angry and resentful, unforgiving. Lord, but now they're meeting the forgiver, the one who changes us from the inside out. And Lord, they can't even explain it. But more is happening right now through this moment. More is being changed and all of their work and all of their effort and all of their counseling and all of their programs and all of their self-help books. Something is changing right now that is never going to be the same again. God, you're going to begin to pull things out of their lives that they didn't know were in there. You're going to begin to heal parts of their lives that they thought were broken forever. Lord, you're going to set them free in Jesus' name. That's a powerful name. The name of Jesus. The name above all names the name by which all men may be saved and so jesus right now they're just calling on you just as simply jesus come into my life set me free save me be the lord of everything that i am and jesus thank you for who you're becoming you're going to be a friend that sits closer than a brother thank you for your grace thank you for your hope thank you for the opportunity that we have the privilege that we have to be your church thank you for all that you're going to do over the next month and in 2021 in jesus name we pray Come on, if you're excited about that, let's shout amen. Let's clap together all over our houses. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, 
Visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.